she prepares for a journey she may never complete, and from which she will never return. No insect migration could ever compete, but it's not the glory she seeks to earn. Madam Butterfly is a southbound bug, in search of a kinder season. Her children will sleep safe and snug, in temperatures that are well within reason. A haven she will never know will save them from winter snow. But a bittersweet journey is what she'll need to make it in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info, and it doesn't belong to me. I'm not keeping it. It belongs to you. And I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And you, you should keep some for yourself. You deserve it. No, because today we're talking about an insect that tastes so bad, other bugs are trying to be her. But more on that later. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to talk about more that more later. I'm going to talk about okay, it a little, good. little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. But, but yeah, yeah. It's the monarch butterfly. It is the monarch butterfly. The, the iconic butterfly. The queen bee of butterflies. No, not at all. <laughs> monarch. Sure, yeah. But butterfly. It does not act the, like it's the bee. Beyonce's of butterflies. Yeah, there you go. Flashy. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise known as the Fluttering Flatterer, Ooh. which I'll talk about later. Or hopefully I'll remember to tie it in, because I've in the past forgotten to tie in my, <laughs> my nicknames and then they just fall flat. They're, but they're always in there, you just don't mention it, so it's up to the listener to like put the pieces together yeah absolutely so this is a this is a quiz for you so once the fans make a reddit r slash ldt then then they'll have something to talk about then we'll have made it yeah <laughs> all right so fluttering flatter the second one is the royal butter friend i just that was a fun thing to say it's kind of cute i wanted to say it out loud uh and the third one is orange you glad i didn't say pupate <laughs> oh we're gonna say it <laughs> we're gonna say it later oh, on we're gonna say it <clears throat> but yeah, the monarch butterfly is also known as, not just through LD taxonomy nicknames, um, but just in, in common parlance, uh, the milkweed, the common tiger, and the wanderer. And it's called the milkweed for a very specific reason, and that's because it just loves the stuff. It can't get enough. No, it really can't. Um, all right, so here's where it lives on the taxonomic spectrum. Okay. Which is not a spectrum at all, but probably should be, because... These lines just are so blurry. (laughs) The kingdom is Animalia because we like it and we love it and we're in it. (laughs) (laughs) It's conditional. If you don't like it and love it, it's not kingdom Animalia. (laughs) The phylum is not Chordata. It's been a while. Yeah. But we're at Eurarthropoda, which we've been in before. before, Not us. No, we've never been in it. Yeah, never once. We've been in it ideologically. I would try it. I don't. For like a day. That's how long you'd last. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The class is Insecta. I bet you can't guess what kind of animals are in that class. Bugs are in that class. Very true. But not exclusively. Despite your poem, it's not a bug. Monarchs are not bugs. No, No, they are not. Butterflies are not bugs. Um, The order is Lepidoptera. Sure. Chlorine. In, in in a Colloqu- in a colloquial way that's of speaking, a hard, that's a hard word to say. Yeah, they they are bugs, sure. but not in an actual scientific way. Uh, the family is Nymphalidae. Ooh, and I think Lepidopt actually the order Lepidoptera is the same one from the uh, the woolly bear moth. 
That makes sense. Which I'll mention probably later on. Um, so family is uh, Nymphalidae. The genus is Danaeus. And the species is Plexippus. That's pretty neat. Danaeus Plexippus. Which it's a good binomial name. Definitely sounds like some sort of Roman ruler. But so do most of these because it's all Latin. Yeah. It's all Latin to me. All right. Um, let's talk about the name. Let's talk about why they call him monarch butterflies. I don't see a tiny little crown on his head. Maybe you're not looking hard enough. I, w- I look pretty pretty hard. <laughs> I look at some of those high-res pictures I went on Google. And, Zoomed in. Enhance. And- enhance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no crown, despite all of my efforts to find one. Um, or a signet ring. That one was a lot harder to look for. <laughs> <laughs> so it was given this name, allegedly, because King William the third of england was also known as the prince of orange which is a dumb name to have and should change it immediately but he can't because he's dead orange is a place right is it yeah is it he's not a prince of the color right i don't know look it up is orange a place in in across the pond yeah it's a it's a it's an area in the south modern day france i stand corrected if he was prince of a color, that would have been a dumb name, but he's prince of an actual place. So. I, would, I would love to be the prince of an entire color. I'm just the, I'm the prince of Siam. That's, I mean, that sounds like, a, that's pretty cool, that's actually. Siam. I'm the prince of Burgundy. <laughs> or Chartreuse. Burgundy's also a place. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Is Chartreuse a place? Beef Bourguignon. Is uh, from a place called Burgundy. I have no idea what you just said, but we're going to move on to the, where this thing lives. Its range is <laughs> mainly in North America, um, but it lives all over the world, really, um, including Hawaii, Australia, Spain, and the Pacific Islands, to name a few. Mm-hmm. So just in case you've never seen a monarch butterfly or even a butterfly in your life, let's talk about what this thing looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little insect with giant wings. Big ones. Looks like a butterfly. <laughs> it doesn't look anything like butter. I don't know why it's called a butterfly. Because they maybe land on butter. A lot? Maybe back when they were churning butter in barrels, they would get butterflies in there and be like, these flies. They, they love it. They love butter. <laughs> I hate these butterflies. Uh, Over the- <laughs> okay. That probably, probably isn't true. They're probably not. Unless butter tastes like nectar and vice versa. They could be margarine flies. So I can't believe it's not butterflies. <laughs> That's what I, people say about moths. How is that not my third, my third uh, <laughs> nickname? I can't believe they're not butterflies. But they are butterflies, so it doesn't matter. Monarchs, in particular, are bright. On, on the backs of their wings, they're uh, bright orange. And on the insides of their wings, they're, it's a more dull, muted, tawny orange. Mm-hmm. Um, with black veins running through it, and the body and the ends of its wings are bespeckled with white spots. And it's brightly colored because it's a possumatic. New vocab term for maybe several animals to come. It means brightly colored to warn predators of poison. Uh huh. And there's another butterfly. That also looks almost exactly like the monarch butterfly. Yes, the viceroy butterfly. I'm so glad you have that down. Because you did not. I did not. <laughs> well, how could I not write that down? Because 
the monarch butterfly is the viceroy butterfly, but it has more clout with the nobles. <laughs> I guess it's just funny that it's this. It's also like English lord ranks. Yeah. Well, it, it looks like a monarch, but it doesn't. I think it's a little bit smaller. Yeah. But they're both just look. Look at those pictures side by side, and I can't tell the difference. Yeah, but the thing is, if you eat a, a monarch, I don't want to step in your tiny little butterfly toes here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the viceroy also is poisonous. Is it not? I did not think so. I know there was like a form of mimicry happening, but I was like, why does there need to be mimicry if bo- both of them are poisonous? But I guess if the viceroy is not poisonous and the monarch is, then mimicry would be to its advantage. It could use this apossomaticness yeah. to uh, ward off predators. But uh, so because it eats so much, it's eaten so much milkweed over its life. Um, it's actually developed a cardiotoxin, uh, which can cause cardio cardiac arrest yeah. in animals that that eat this thing, and, and it mostly also, mammals. And it tastes terrible. If a if a but if a frog eats it, they'll throw up though. It's yep. gonna be good. Frogs get the short end of the stick when it comes to eating bugs. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just uh, just not in this case. Refer to could our, have a heart attack. Yeah, so it's bad. I don't frog. think they can have heart. Att- they have. I, I was reading something that says if a frog eats it, it'll throw up. If uh like a a bird or a mammal eat it, they'll have a heart attack. Interesting. I bet you frogs can have heart attacks. It could have been them just being fun with the language and being descriptive and stuff like that. Might not have been facts. <laughs> <laughs> so all this to say that the monarch is a pretty bug. Uh-huh. Which goes it's proof positive that the more beautiful you are in the animal kingdom, the more you deserve to live. <laughs> because you're not gonna smush a butterfly. But it's a fly. It's yeah. not necessarily a fly. But if it was anything other than a butterfly and just as harmless to you, you'd squish it. You'd yeah. be like, ew, that's it's horrible. But because it's colorful. And graceful. Also, like, nobody has a horse fly, uh, like, museum or something like that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say trapper keeper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would... That- That'd be like some messed up kid. <laughs> Look at my trapper keeper covered in horse flies. <laughs> I just am a huge fan of horse flies. But you, you don't go to Horsefly World in in Coral Springs, Florida. <laughs> it's Coconut Creek, Florida. Oh, Coconut Creek, whatever. It's the horse, it's the butterfly capital of the United States. Yeah, we're actually a stone's throw away. A really, 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 really powerful stone's throw away. From um, Butterfly World right now, which as is, we speak. Yeah, yeah. Which is where a lot of butterflies are. I've been there once when I was five. <laughs> but I digress. Let's talk about how big this thing is. Let's talk about that. It's time for the listener's favorite part of the show, as revealed by listener polls. <laughs> <laughs> we have more listeners now. I think you should poll again. Uh, we could poll again, um, but I won't be polled again. <laughs> Uh, I'm just just pulling your leg. Well, in this season, uh, season five, four, five. Yes, five. In this season, season five, we have the the honor to be introduced by listeners. I love Um, it. This segment is brought to you by Kylie and with a brief cameo from Calvin, who you heard in the first one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up! Calvin, 
That was pretty good. Calvin is rambunctious without his friend Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I think Hobbs was the rambunctious one, right? No, Calvin was definitely the rambunctious one. Is Calvin the boy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hobbs is the is the tiger who is a little bit on the on the re- uh, reserve side. Okay. <laughs> kind of his conscience. Ah, okay, I see. Um. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. Okay. Let's start with the wingspan. The wingspan is 8.9 to 10.2 centimeters or 3.5 to 4 inches. Let's round that to, or average that to 9.5 centimeters. How many monarch butterflies go into the wingspan of a wandering albatross? The largest flying bird. Can you give that to me in inches, your average? No, I cannot. You but it's between 3.5 and 4, so 3.75 yeah, yeah. would be the average of that. Um, so An albatross. Yeah. That's, I feel like you need a hint. No, I don't. You can keep your Here, hint. Here's your hint. Please. They lay eggs that are about 4 inches long. Gross. The albatross. I didn't want to hear the butterfly. about that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So we've got 3.75 inches I'm just going to round it for because that makes it easier. Did you say the albatross is the largest? It's not the largest. The condor is the largest. The largest oh. flying bird. Yep. Albatross. Bigger than the condor? Yeah. Well, it, the longest wingspan. It could be like leaner, you know? I don't know. The, I condor, the condor might be had heavier. Like a 10-foot wingspan. Which means the albatross must have something close to a 10-foot wingspan. Could be. Which is a lot. That's a lot of wing and a little bit of span. Yeah. All right. Well, that means... Three about three monarch butterfly wingspans go into a foot, so I'm going to say thirty monarchs. The answer is thirty-two monarchs because yeah. the albatross is in that ten-foot ballpark. Yeah. Woo-woo. <laughs> All right, let's talk about total wing area. We're off to a good start. I'm very confident for the rest of these. Uh, there was a a, lo- a study, uh, a comprehensive study, uh, as to the measurements of. Um, monarch butterflies and their flight patterns and their success in long flight. One of the things that they've noted is total wing area, which is an average of uh, 3,336 millimeters. Squared? Squared, yes. (laughs) (laughs) If If a president of the United States took office and decided to cover all of the floors in the White House in monarch butterfly wings, how many butterfly wings would they need? All of the floors in the White House. Yeah, you want to hit? I don't want to. I don't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll like this hint. No, I won't. The White House is fifty-five thousand square feet. No, oh, that helps. That's, actually, yeah, that, that is a very good. <laughs> <help>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you got too a little too comfortable with the knowledge that the hints are always bad. <laughs> Throw a curveball. Yeah. AKA a helpful hint. Because I want you to, I want to build up a little bit of hope for the next time that the hint is the ridiculous. Although th- I mean this helps, but it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna get me where I need to go. It has you have all the uh, the information you need. Yeah, but how many I'd, times a three thousand? I need to I need to find out how many three thousand to fifty five <laughs> square feet. Just convert from imperial to metric and and back again. So three thousand millimeters squared would be. I'm not even gonna try. Um, I'm just going. <laughs> it's 0.1 centimeters. One millimeter is 0.1 centimeters. Yeah, and then if you have, yeah, that makes sense. I still don't. I'm still not wrapping my mind around how big this 
monarch butterfly is. I feel like 3,000 millimeters is a, is a lot. But uh, 635,426.2. The answer is 5 trillion. <laughs> One hundred and nine billion six hundred and seventy million. That would be the answer if I had asked for butterflies, but I had asked for butterfly wings. So that's twenty mil twenty trillion, because there's four wings on each butterfly. So your your idea was to take this and then turn it into a trick question. Yes. So what I wanted to happen was I wanted to give you all of the information you needed. And then when you got confident and said the amount of butterflies you needed, I was going to hit you with the fact that I had said wings. But calculating squared is very difficult to do in your head. I forgot that. (laughs) Yeah, we just learned that millimeters and meters do not have the same relationship that millimeters squared and meters squared have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow. So uh, I think if we are quiet enough, we can hear the sounds of everyone listening groaning at the same time. (laughs) No, everyone is just delighted to have learned something new. No, they're... And they're imagining the White House with a butterfly floor, (laughs) which is equally horrifying. It's as as horrifying as it is beautiful. Dazzling, Yeah. yeah. Um... Anyway, yeah, that's Butterf- it. You butterfly it. print. That's that's all. <laughs> if you drop any, if you drop like a guitar pick, it's gone forever. You're never going to find <laughs> it. It's too complicated down there. <laughs> so when the president is, you know, like shredding, shredding on his uh, on his Fender Stratocaster from a couple <laughs> I episodes you were ago. Say documents. <laughs> <laughs> nope, he's shredding on a Fender Stratocaster, um, and uh, drops a guitar pick. It's all over. So are we done? We're done with Measure Up. Uh, okay. I would very much like to move on, so we will. Let's talk about its life cycle, the monarch butterfly. We are talking about that, right? Yes, monarch butterfly. We have been this whole time, yeah. Uh, our butterfriend goes through four stages in life. Revolution Life, the House of Blues, <laughs> Carnegie Hall, and Madison Square Garden. One of those things is so incredibly local, and the rest are so iconic. I could well, I couldn't think of. I guess. Uh, I guess. Um, Apollo, the Apollo. That would. That would. That, that should have replaced House of Blues. House of Blues is everywhere. Like there's different ones everywhere. Well, I but know. The Apollo yeah. is one really. Like, no, the the Apollo should have been the first one. That's yeah. where you get oh, your yeah. start. House of Blues is like a kind of a mid level venue. Carnegie Hall is up there and the Madison Square Garden means you made it. <laughs> Apollo I would say is above the House of Blues. Unless uh, unless it's um Amateur Night. Amateur Night at the Apollo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just like I put out Revolution Live. It's a small venue down here in, in Fort Lauderdale. In Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> <laughs> um but an awesome venue. Yeah, it's good to see stuff there. It's intimate. The real stages that uh, that the Monarch Butterfly goes through are the egg stage. I know that's a Shocker. But yes, it starts out as eggs. Uh, they are laid on the underside of a leaf. And guess what kind of leaf? Milkweed. You got it. Uh, females can lay over 1,100 eggs, which is a lot more than the males can, which is none. A lot more than I can, I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm not the... afraid to admit it. Good. Own that. <laughs> 
the larva stage is the next one, and it goes through five instars, which we've talked about instars during the Woolly Bear Moth episode, because this thing pubates. Hmm. Yum. I'm not going to go through all the instars, but the point is, is that it's a caterpillar, and it eats a bunch of milkweed, like a bunch of it. Like more, like several times its body weight. And then it will kind of go into this semi-catatonic state, and then shed its skin, molt, become bigger, and then continue eating again. Yeah, you th- you'd think, like, some moth caterpillars and, like, other bugs. No, not maybe not moths, but other bugs that pupate. They build little houses around them. No, they their their pupa bursts out of their skin. Just look up a picture. It's I mean the, uh, a video. It's bonkers. It's disgusting and amazing. Uh, Metamorphosis. <laughs> Metamorphosis. <laughs> Metamorphosis. It's not gonna be the first Bugs Life reference we make. Uh, so the caterpillar is yellow greenish, and it has black and white stripes and dots and stuff on it. Um, it's also an iconic caterpillar. Yeah, if you look at it and you're like, that's a caterpillar right there. Yeah. There's also another iconic caterpillar, which is, I don't remember what kind it is, but it's it's all green with like red feet. Yeah, that's, like um, Heimlich. Heimlich, second Bugs Life reference, because he's, uh, he's a beautiful butterfly. We're not there yet, because we're at the pupa stage. Oh, yeah, and also only 10% of monarchs survive past the larva stage. Because they're tasty morsels? Yeah, they're tasty morsels. Even though they eat milkweed? Maybe they just they haven't, haven't built had, it up yet. They haven't had enough yet. Uh, so this the third stage is the pupa, a.k.a. the chrysalis stage, which is way cooler of a name and better, so we'll say chrysalis. Okay. Um, I and, pupa. <laughs> uh, it, it spins a pad on a leaf, hangs from it in a J shape, and then sheds its skin to form a hard exoskeleton, and then inside it turns into a beautiful butterfly. Butterfly? Now we're at the adult stage. It emerges as the butterfly, the monarch butterfly, after two weeks of being inside of the chrysalis. This whole process takes 25 days. Hmm. So where the woolly bear moth takes years of, because it goes, it has to hibernate-ish or whatever to survive the cold and stuff. um, If it doesn't make it to the next stage, this happens in less than a month. And the last 20, the last two weeks of that are... um, being inside the chrysalis. So it goes from egg to fully mature larva um, in like, what, 11 days? So it's, it's a lot of milkweed. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got for the general info. Okie doke. That brings us to possibly the most amazing major fact we've ever done. No. It's, a, it's going to be debatable, but you can debate that. On Twitter and on Facebook, hit us up. Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll be the judge of that. Okay. So, the monarch butterfly has the longest migration among insects. Okay. Unimpressed. That's I'm, com- it. I'm completely unimpressed it. at this point. Actually, the American monarch butterfly migrates the longest. Uh, they live all over the world, like you mentioned. But in the Americas, they migrate back and forth between North America and Mexico. Monarchs that live east of the Rockies travel to Mexico, but the ones that live west of the Rockies travel to California. It's just hard to cross the Rockies when you're a small bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said bug a lot, and it's not a bug. Colloquially, it is. Nailed it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the journey can span as much as 3,000 miles every year. Almost as many as centimeters it- as their total wing area. <laughs> What? No. Millimeters <laughs> I mean, squared. Based on what we thought before. <laughs> uh, how, 
have we compared that to the Rufus Hummingbirds migration from like Alcapulco to Juno? It's similar. The, it's a similar migration, actually. And for similar reasons. Cold? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they migrate for two reasons. They travel to warmer regions to hibernate and wait out the winter months. So they'll spend as much as much time as they can in the flower-draped meadows of the northern U.S. and Canada. But when the sun peaks at 52 degrees above the horizon, it triggers a great migration. Uh, when winter is over, they travel back to the northern states and Canada, where spring brings a veritable smorgasbord of flowers and nectar. You spelled the word smorgasbord on your... In your notes? I did my best, and let spell check be my guide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the plants they eat in their larva, larval stage, namely milkweed, don't really grow that well in their overwintering sites. So, in Mexico, they hibernate in oyamel trees. Sure. O-Y-A-M-E-L. Oyamel. Oh, yeah. It's like oatmeal, but different. <laughs> like oatmeal, but not at all. <laughs> Oyamel fir trees, which have large canopies that provide climate control and incubate the, the uh, insects. Also, they live in, they, they hibernate in cool mountain areas, so the, the cooler air slows down their metabolism. So they basically enjoy perfectly temperate weather throughout the winter. Um, if you were to see one of these trees during the winter, it would be covered from tree chop, tree top to trunk stop in butterflies. <laughs> All right, so I'm I, giving myself so many hard things to say. I like tree top to trunk stop, though. I love <laughs> it. Um, but I've definitely seen this documentary at some point where just the tree is a bunch of monarch butterflies. Yeah, it's just you don't see anything else. It's just it's. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. And also very good to look at. Uh, after hibernation. <laughs> after it can be both of those things. <laughs> can be. Uh, just like the floor of the the Oval Office well, with thousands of butterfly corpses. That's aesthetically beautiful and then horrifying to think about the... The, the implications. The, yeah, the implications. This is both aesthetically... This is aesthetically creepy. Just, I would think... But it's also like billions of beautiful butterflies. It's also... There. <laughs> it's also billions of bugs. Beautiful bugs. Okay. Yeah. So it's like this tree is covered in, in lots of bugs. That's fair. Anyway, after hibernate, hibernation, they pack up and head back north to get that sweet, sweet nectar. Here's where the fact gets major. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff we need to put on t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, Animalia, you know it, you love it, you're in it. And um, I don't want to yoke anybody's yak. <laughs> yeah. Monarchs live for about two to four weeks as adult butterflies. So how can they make it back up north in that amount of time, you that, might ask? That's not enough time, I don't think. They don't. You're right, they don't. <gasps> the buck stops there. It may take monarchs four to five generations to make it all the way to their spring and summer destinations. Hmm. Along the way, butterflies will stop in milkweed patches, lay eggs, die, and then caterpillars hatch, gorge on milkweed for several times. Uh, of several times their body weight, pupate, there it is again, crystallize, <laughs> emerge, and continue the journey north. That's amazing. So it's the same on the way south, right, you may ask? Nope. Uh, after enjoying several months in flower paradise, a super healthy special generation is born. 
This generation can live for up to eight weeks. Whoa. They catch air currents and carry that carry them all the way south in one go. Ridiculous. Every time? Yeah. So going north, it takes five generations. Going south, they just like get their biggest and best and brightest and catch the air to go all the way there in one, one go. Wow. It's just like uh, Treebeard says, going south is like going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> so it's and like it's like on one on one way you're going against the people mover at the airport. Yeah. And then but then you get to turn around and then just book it. Book it bionic man style all the way to the end. Yeah. Um so once they return, the cycle continues. So how do they know where to go if they die along the way? No one knows for sure. E- educational programs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are a few theories. Um, they follow one is that they follow the milkweed blooms going north, and then follow like re- retreat from them dying, the milkweed dying as they uh, going south. So as winter gives way to spring, milkweed blooms in warm regions first, and then spreads north. So they follow the milkweed. And then winter kills milkweed plants at the same pattern going back south. But they go south in one go. They're not stopping for milkweed. Yeah, so, well, in one go where it's like they don't even touch the ground? Yeah. Or is it in one go where, like, they live for eight weeks and that's how long it takes them to get there? I think they don't touch the ground. So they could, like, they sleep up there. Do bugs sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Something we should know. I feel like we should definitely know that. So a second thing, a second um, theory is that they migrate based on sun's posi- the sun's position. So their instinct is just follow the sun in ter- certain times of season. And the fact that they leave at when the sun is 52 degrees above the horizon every time lends credence to that theory. Huh. Um, the third thing is that they have genetic memory. Something in their DNA tells them where to go like a memory past from one generation to the next. So kind of like a salmon. Yeah. Although that's all in one lifetime. So, But they, they'll return to the same trees. Like, it's insane how accurate it is. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's the best major fact. The fact that they can, like, one generation randomly at a certain time of season is long-lived enough to make it back. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, but orangutans can use hammer and nails. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, but not well. <laughs> also, cone snails put their prey into diabetic shock. They give their prey diabetes. So, but not what actually. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well. They do pretty pretty well. Um, but yeah, that's but this, all I got. Th- that was very cool. I was not expecting that because we Just don't share notes. <laughs> the, the The idea of uh, genetic memory is insane. Yeah, I feel like. That's a lot of animals have that to some degree where like there's stuff that they just know that they're not taught. That's true. But like location, that's like navigation. Yeah. We don't have that. Certainly not. No, no, no. All right. So I know we're wrapping up, but I have, uh, Bibby told me a story just before we sat down to record. And that's that one of her friends on Facebook breeds or raises or something, monarch butterflies. And there were some of the litter, I guess, that were injured or weren't able to fly, so they kind of recuperated. And then it was too late. They missed the migration, so then they drove them to the migration in this, like, big 
one of those big like net things, those Ooh. net cages. They drove them south. Yeah, they drove them south because okay. they were up in Ohio, and okay. so it was like it's too cold. We had to drive them down to where they're gonna go, which was I think by that time they were just like in North Carolina or something like that. Um, but they had missed the first wave. Did they drive them to Mexico? No, they just because it takes them a long time oh, to get there oh, in oh. Mexico. But would they be able to catch the air currents from wherever they were? I wonder. On the way back. On the way to on the way south. Well, it takes them like what five generations to get south? No, it takes them one gen one go to get south. Oh, it takes them all the generations to get north. Yeah, I don't know. They took them south. They took them from Ohio to North Carolina. That's all I know. Uh, that's insane. She that person should listen and tell us everything wrong we said. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll send this link to them. <laughs> All right, so that's all we have for the monarch butterfly. If you have a favorite uh, major fact that we've done in these, these almost 50 episodes, let us know. But until then, unfurl your wings, migrate to new lands, and don't forget to pupate in life, death, and taxonomy. You've made it. You've reached the end of a journey of over a thousand seconds. Unlike the monarch butterfly, you've lived to receive your reward, which is a clear and clever call to action. So here it is. Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That's it. Go, take it and love it. Oh, and also, come find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching LD Taxonomy. Is that not a satisfactory reward? Alright then, let me sweeten the pot by leaving you with a word from our friend Susie from the Casual Birder Podcast. Not only does she offer a deep but accessible dive into the world of birds and bird watching, her dulcet tones and soft-spoken delivery are the perfect way to unwind after a long week. But enough from me, I'll just have her tell you. It's Susie here from the Casual Birder Podcast. I love watching birds, whether it's those that visit my garden or ones that I see when travelling. Birdwatching is a great pastime. It can be done with others or alone. You don't need expensive equipment, your eyes or ears are enough. And best of all, it doesn't need any great commitment. The casual birder does as much or as little birding as suits them. Join me each week to hear about the birds I've seen, interviews with others, and stories from listeners around the world. The Casual Birder Podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Her children will sleep safe and snug in temperatures that were well... This is the worst, this is the hardest poem to read in the history of poems. All of them. Yeah, it's harder <laughs> than all of them. <laughs> I'm going to start over.